Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Today we'll begin Pastor Michael's teaching series in the book of Galatians. Now, here's Pastor Michael teaching in Galatians chapter 1, 1 through 5, called, He Gave Himself for Our Sins. Galatians 1, if you are able to stand with me, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God? We're looking at the first five verses this morning in Galatians 1, and here's what the Bible says. Paul Galatians 1.1, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that's our title, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, Father. Thank you for the first handful of verses here in the book of Galatians, uh, a majestic book, a book all about the grace of God, the good news of the gospel, that salvation is not based upon clothing or diet or days of worship. Salvation is based upon a finished work at a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb and a risen Savior who is seated at the right hand of God, whoever lives to intercede for his people. It's not about uh, a building. It's not about uh, outward keeping of the law. Salvation is about regeneration. It's about being born again of the Holy Spirit. It's about the way that we live as a result of what's happened on the inside. It's not the outside then going to the inside, but the inside then impacting everything on the outside of one's life. It is good news that someone else paid the price. Someone holy, majestic, innocent, blameless. Someone who so loved us that he came to enter into our pain, died though he was perfectly innocent, took your wrath, demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have good news to embrace and good news to proclaim. And this morning, as we uh, launch into a study in this majestic book of Galatians, I pray that each of us will become a little bit more free in our salvation Those who don't know you yet would be saved, Lord, and that you would receive the glory for all we do. This message is yours. May you lead it, and may you give us ears to hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. If we can throw the map up there, uh, sue me for a moment. I want to just give you some facts about the book of Galatians. The author of Galatians is the Apostle Paul, as we saw in verse 1. The major themes of the book are defending and living the gospel of grace. So if you're a note taker, that's where we're headed for the whole book study, defending and living the gospel of grace. The date of the book, most scholars believe, is around A.D. 48 and 49, somewhere in there. 
Jesus died around 30 to 32 AD. So you're talking about just about maybe 15 to 17 years after the events of the passion of the Christ, the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the dating of the book. And uh, the book is a powerful uh, treatment of the gospel. In fact, scholars would say that Galatians may be the earliest letter uh, that we have in the entire New Testament, including all the gospels. Uh, there's a debate whether James or Galatians are the earliest. Some argue that Mark and Matthew are very, very early. But what you can know is this is probably one of the first letters that Paul ever wrote. And he wrote it as a consequence of something that happened on his first missionary journey. Now, if you take a look at the map, there's a lot of lines going around there, but the, you can see that the black lines give you an idea of how the mission went. And they started in a place called Antioch of Syria. If you go down on the map, you can see Jerusalem is down on the bottom right, and you go up, and you're in the area of Syria. Antioch of Syria is where the Christians were first so called. They were first called Christians at Antioch. That was kind of the home base of the early church. From there, they went out. You can see the arrow pointing now to the island of Cyprus, the area of Paphos, and then up into what's now modern-day Turkey, but back in the day, it was called Asia Minor, and it was dominated by the Roman Empire. And you can see many familiar names that, you'll, that will come to your memory, like Ephesus and Troas, and a place right in the center called Pisidia, You'll also notice that Antioch is just above Pisidia, and that location was called Pisidian Antioch to distinguish it from Syrian Antioch. And then the whole region eventually became known as the area of Galatia or the Galatian region. So that's modern-day Turkey, but ancient Asia Minor. So that's where Paul headed on that first missionary journey and began to preach the good news of the gospel to different cities and areas where uh, he was. The recipients of the letter of Galatians make up most likely four churches in the Pisidian Antioch area or in the Galatian area. They would include Pisidian Antioch, a place called Iconium, Lystra, where Paul was stoned and left for dead and then survived, and a place called Derbe. If you're taking notes, Galatia means the country of the Gauls. The name is derived from the fierce barbaric tribes of the Gauls or the Celts. They migrated from Gaul or modern France and settled in Asia Minor, modern Turkey. Under Roman rule, the original region of Galatia was made part of a larger province by the same name in Central Asia Minor. I mentioned modern-day Turkey. The area encompassed some 250 miles north to south and up to 170 miles east to west. In Paul's day, the name Galatia was used for the original smaller region to the south, and then the whole area eventually became known by that name. On the first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas established four churches in the southern part of Galatia, as you look up at the map. And these cities I mentioned, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Uh, we'll, I'll take you to the book of Acts and we'll take a look at how that all happened. And Paul was there ministering to those churches personally. He will mention in chapter 4 that it was because of a bodily ailment that he first went there. And it would seem that Paul had a problem with his eyes. And 
that may have been a consequence of some sickness that he picked up during arduous travel. It was very difficult to travel uh, on the sea or by land to try to traverse mountains and deal with ancient travel with robbers who were often uh, hiding on main roads ready to just take your money and beat you and left, leave you for dead. So you had to travel with groups and the travel was very difficult. It is within this early uh, missionary journey that John Mark leaves uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. He bails on the group. And there are some scholars that believe that John Mark left because he didn't realize how difficult the travel would be or how much rejection would be involved in preaching the gospel. There are others that believe that John Mark and the Apostle Paul had a disagreement and they didn't see eye to eye and that's why John left. But John does walk away and he is later restored back to the Apostle Paul. If you wanted a major theme for the, gospel, the uh, letter to the Galatians, it is about freedom. It's about true freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from thinking that it's the outward keeping of religious rituals that save you or performance that saves you. It's not. You cannot be good enough. The book of Galatians is going to emphatically say that we all fall short of the glory of God, similar to the book of Romans. But it's going to also celebrate the free gift of salvation. If you look ahead for a moment in chapter 3, we'll get a highlight of this in verse uh, 21 of chapter 3. Just to look ahead for a second. Paul, talking about the, the law here or the Torah or the Jewish law, says, Is the law, Galatians 3.21, contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. God forbid. For if a law had been given, Galatians 3.21, which was able to impart life, then righteousness, or a right standing before God, would indeed have been based on law. But the Scripture, or the Bible, has shut up everyone under sin. You can imagine kind of the picture here is a person under the huge boulder weight of the laws and ordinances. 613 commandments and sub-commandments in the law codified in 10 commandments which we all know we haven't kept, right? We've all lied. We've all lusted. We've all taken God's name in vain, dishonored our parents, hated someone without a cause. The law is summarized in the top 10 from down from the 613, and it's like a weight on each and every person. You can't keep the law, neither can I, and we are all literally under sin. This is the idea of the Greek word, to be under a bolder weight that you can't get out from under, to be trapped and imprisoned under it, which is the picture that Paul paints in the book of Romans as well. Everyone is shut up under sin, middle of 22, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe or trust in him. But before faith came, we were kept in custody. Another picture of how the law imprisons under the law being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor or our guide to lead us to Christ, to drive us to the foot of the cross, to the Savior, so that we might be justified, not by works, what your Bible say, but by faith. We must place faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you turn back to chapter 1, Paul will write in Romans 8, 2, and 3, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. 
for what the law could not do, Romans 8, 2, and 3. Weak as it was through the flesh, the law is not the problem, the flesh is. God did. In sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, he, Jesus, condemns sin in the flesh. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, Romans 8, 2, and 3, weak as it was through the flesh, the law is not the problem, the flesh is. God did. In sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, he, Jesus, condemned sin in the flesh in his perfect life and sacrificial death and triumph and resurrection. Galatians will take us back to the pure gospel of grace I was reading a writer this week who said that some of us need to go back to where we began because some of us started in the spirit, but we think we're going to be perfected by the law, and that is not the case. And I will tell you, Galatians is a very important letter to understand and know because of the threat of false doctrine. We have had people in the Christian church who have become prey to the cults, world religions, that often tell people in Christian churches, oh, grace is not enough. If those people told you that you're saved by grace and kept by grace and all you have to do is trust in Jesus to be saved, oh, that's a false gospel. Actually, what you need to do, and then they give you their list. And some people have five things and some 10 and 15 and 20. No, you got to do this and you got to be baptized in our baptismal by our pastor with this formula in this city, in this zip code. And I'm not kidding when I say some people are that uh, precise about what you need to do to get saved. Oh, you didn't speak in tongues? Oh, then you're not saved. You know, there's all these add-ons. We've had some cultic movements with cultic tendencies literally reach into the evangelical Christian church and pull faithful servants out of it, telling them, oh, you're not saved. You haven't haven't done what the Bible requires of you. You can't be sure of your salvation. And they place seeds of doubt within their minds and hearts. And sadly, we've personally watched some people be captivated by that, convinced by it, duped by it, and walk away from the grace of Jesus Christ. That is so sad. And I could bring people up that are in this room today to tell you the sad tale of how because they weren't grounded in what Galatians teaches, got sucked away into a legalistic system that has people walking around with frowns and doubts. 
That is not where God wants you to be. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Keep standing in your liberty, brethren. Don't let anybody take it away from you. If Jesus Christ did not pay the full ransom price at the cross for your sin and my sin, pray tell, what could I add? What could I bring? The temerity of some people to say to you, no, Jesus Christ's blood doesn't cover all your sins. Uh, that is heresy. That's a lie. That's the devil trying to get people, uh, you know, who have trusted in the grace of Christ into a system where they're entangled by the tyranny of trying to keep the law, which they cannot keep. And I just read a few verses to you that should be an open and shut case. But some people were questioning the gospel of Paul when Paul went to these regions and preached. What happened was he would start in synagogues. He would go into a synagogue where he had some authority as a rabbi, and he would wait for an opportunity to preach to the people gathered in the Jewish synagogue. This is all throughout the book of Acts. If you've ever studied Acts, they first go into a synagogue and they be, begin to preach to the Jewish people. And as Paul would do that, there would be many people who responded, Jesus is the Messiah, I believe. But then there would be a group within the synagogue that became angry at Paul, disagreed with Paul. And they followed Paul from town to town and tried to undermine the gospel of grace. And these are the people, and this is a key idea that you need to note, called by scholars the Judaizers. Okay? And this is the idea that some people were saying to early converts who were Gentiles, non-Jews, or even proselytes. A proselyte would be a person who went and worshipped in the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue, non-Jewish, who went through a conversion into Judaism. So there were three camps, and I'll, I'll paint the picture a little bit more as we go on. But there were people, there were Gentiles who worshipped in the synagogue, and they were just simply there, as you call them, God-fearers. There were other uh, non-Jews who were there who converted to Judaism. So they went through a circumcision, they kept the food laws, they kept the Shabbat or the Sabbath, they weren't originally Jewish, but they converted over. They were also in the synagogue. And then there were what we call pure Jewish people from a Jewish mom and dad who worshipped in the synagogue. What you need to realize is that when Paul would go to a region like Lystra or Derby or Iconium, there were Jewish quarters in all of these locations. If you go to Israel today, there are quarters. And, and what, they, what they mean by that is there's a population within a city like Jerusalem that's called the Jewish quarter. And what that means is that there's a Jewish population, most likely with a synagogue there. Since Paul was a Jewish Christian who had a rabbinic training or background, he went into the synagogue as his first preaching platform. He knew he could speak to his people. And he had a burden for the Jewish people, as we see in Romans chapter 9. So he would go into the synagogue where there was familiarity, where there was some level of authority, and that's where he would start. And that's why these Judaizers, in quotes, were so dangerous because they came behind Paul and they said, no, that gospel of grace is not enough. You need to convert fully over to Judaism and keep the food laws and so forth. I will say to you at the outset that there are many Messianic believers, some, some Jewish believers in Messiah don't like that term, but I'll just use it for the sake of keeping things simple. There are Messianic congregations in our city today. Uh, we have fellowship with them. 
They keep the Torah. What do I mean by that? They practice the Sabbath on Friday at sunset till Saturday at sundown. They don't eat pork. They uh, honor the seven feasts uh, of Israel. And, uh, but they do that knowing that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that. I am not making commentary on that. I believe that that's just fine. If, you're, if you have a Jewish heritage and you have a Seder Passover meal at your home every year, don't stop. Don't stop that. There's not evidence that early Jews stopped celebrating the feast. They just knew how they were fulfilled. And they knew the depth of meaning that now uh, was incorporated within those celebrations. For those of you who have ever been to a Seder at, at this church or somewhere else, you know the beauty of seeing the fulfillment in the matzah and in all that uh, is part of a Jewish Seder meal. So this book, we have to be careful as evangelical Christians that we, we don't say to Jewish people, oh, you got to stop. No, no. Tonight, you're invited, by the way, to a Messianic congregation on California, uh, Beth Shalom, and they're going to honor tonight the Feast of Tabernacles, and they build shelters, literally tabernacles, in their parking lot. If you want to go tonight, you're invited. It's on California. It's Beth Shalom. Some of you met Rabbi Robert, and they've invited our congregation out. I would encourage you to go. I would encourage you to interact with them and see the shelters that they build, but they know that the Messiah is the fulfillment of that. That's not the issue. You've been listening to He Gave Himself for Our Sins, part one on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 1, 1 through 5. And remember, you can watch the video of this message on walkintruth.com. Hey, if you missed our 633 event on Sunday night with Dr. Clay Jones, you can find that video on our website. Dr. Jones and Pastor Michael talk about the problem of evil and why God allows it. So it's an important conversation, especially with the times we're living in today. So... In addition to that video, we'll be releasing the audio of the event on our podcast. So make sure you're following Walk in Truth wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Galatians 1.4 says, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might rescue us from this present evil age. Boy, does that say a lot right there. It talks about the purpose of Jesus's coming Jesus gave himself for our sins, brethren. If you're not a Christian, he gave himself for your sins, for the sins of the entire world, 1 John 2, 2, that he might rescue us from this present evil age, Galatians 1, 4. You know, we look at the landscape right now, and I know if you're like me, you have a lot of questions and maybe a lot of heartache and you're looking around and you're maybe listening to all the voices And what's missing in a lot of the conversations is the real remedy. And the real remedy is the gospel. See, Jesus came to rescue us from our sins. We've got to start with our hearts. And he came to rescue us from this present evil age. Now, a lot of people want to say, well, the world's great and people are great and they're generally good. Yeah, until you look around a little bit (laughs) and you see the response to the pandemic and you see the response now to a a tragic incident with the death of George Floyd. And you watch our world, brothers, sisters, and if you're an unbeliever right now, the Bible says, take a look at the human heart. Jesus said it's from the heart that slander and hate and murder and thefts and envy and all this stuff 
come from. They come from within and defile a man. Now we need, we need practical answers too, no doubt. But right now, what we need to do as a nation and even as a church is to come back to God. This is the remedy. This is the Bible's remedy. And as a believer, we're supposed to have a biblical worldview of things. We're supposed to say, what does the Bible say about this? This is the remedy. And so my heart toward you and when I look in the mirror is to say, oh, Lord, let it start with me. I think this is a great thing that we can do. We can do some self-reflection. We can say, search my heart, O Lord, and let it start with me. Jesus gave himself for my sins. Oh God, let that message impact to the ends of the earth so that our world is truly changed. Well, we're so glad that you're listening to Walk in Truth. And uh, I want to tell you, if you're feeling a little bit hurt right now from just the stuff going on, um, if you just need us to pray for you, we would love to pray for you. Now, you can reach out to us through the website at walkintruth.com, or you can call during business hours, Tuesday through Friday at 844-48-TRUTH. There'll be a pastor here who would love to pray with you, 844-48-TRUTH. We're so grateful for you, glad you're listening. Tell a friend about what you're hearing, and we'll, we'll catch you tomorrow right here on the broadcast. God bless you. One more thing, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation is really appreciated. So if you can please give, please donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter one called He Gave Himself for Our Sins. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. 